Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As soon as I heard the talk about him running away and taking the mad gentleman with him, I remembered it. And I remembered as he sat still after it and sinned out for a minute or so, same as if he was thinking things over. There was somewhat a bit queer about it. I never heard him, Thomas asserted, obstinately, and shut his mouth. He were as ready to talk about the poor gentleman as met with the accident as thou wert thyself, Thomas, Mrs. Hibblethwaite proceeded, moved by the opportunity offered for presenting her views on the exciting topic. He'd asked thee all sorts of questions about what thou'd found out with pumping folk. He'd asked me questions now and again about what he was like to look at and how tall he were. Once he asked me if I remembered what sort of chin he had and how he spoke. It were to set thee going and please me, volunteered Thomas, grudgingly. He did it same as he'd look at the map to please me and tell me tales about the new lads in New York. It had not seemed improbable that a village crippled tied to a sofa would be ready enough to relate all he knew and perhaps so much more that it would be necessary to use discretion in selecting statements of value. To drop in and give him a sovereign and let him talk had appeared simple. Lads of his class liked to be listened to, enjoyed enlarging upon and rendering dramatic such material as had fallen into their hands. But Thomas was an eccentric, and instinct led him to close like an oyster before a remote sense of subtlety approaching attack. It was his mother, not he, who had provided information, but it was not sufficiently specialized to be worth much. What did thou say he'd run away for? Thomas said to his parent later. He's not one of the running away sort. He has probably been called away by business, remarked Captain Palliser, as he rose to go after a few minutes' casual talk with Mrs. Hibblethwaite. It was a mistake not to leave an address behind him. Your mother is mistaken in saying that he took the mad gentleman with him. He had him removed late at night some time before he went himself. Take the sovereign, said Thomas, as Palliser moved away. I did not show thee the atlas. Thou did not want to see it. I will leave the sovereign for your mother, said Palliser. I'm sorry you're not in a better humor. His interest in the atlas had indeed been limited to his idea that it would lead to subjects of talk which might cast illuminating sidelights and possibly open up avenues and vistas. Thomas, however, having instinctively found him displeasing, had gained but little. 
Avenues and vistas were necessary. Avenues through which the steps of Palford and Gumby might wander. Vistas which they might explore with hesitating, investigating glances. So far, the scene remained unpromisingly blank. The American Temple Barholm had simply disappeared, as had his mysterious charge. Steps likely to lead to definite results can scarcely be taken hopefully in the case of a person who has seemed temporarily to cease to exist. You cannot interrogate him. You cannot demand information. Whatsoever the foundations upon which rest your accusations, if such accusation can be launched only into thin air, and the fact that there is nobody to reply to, to acknowledge or indignantly refute them, is in itself a serious barrier to accomplishment. It is also true that only a few weeks had elapsed since the accused had, so to speak, dematerialized. It was also impossible to calculate upon what an American of his class and peculiarities would be likely to do in any circumstances whatever. In private conference, Halford and Grimby frankly admitted to each other that they would almost have preferred that Captain Palliser should have kept his remarkable suspicions to himself, for the time being at least. Yet when they had admitted this, they were confronted by the disturbing possibility, suggested by Palliser, that actual crime had been or might be committed. They had heard unpleasant stories of private lunatic asylums and their like. Things to shudder at might be going on at the very moment they spoke to each other. Under this possibility, no supineness would be excusable. Efforts to trace the missing man must at least be made. Efforts were made, but with no result. Painful as it was to reflect on the subject of the asylums, careful private inquiry was made. Information was quietly collected. There were even visits to gruesomely quiet places on various polite pretexts. If a longer period of time had elapsed, Mr. Palford remarked several times, with some stiffness of manner, we should feel that we had more solid foundation for our premises. Perfectly right, Captain Palliser agreed with him, but it is a lapse of time which may mean life or death to Jem Temple Barholm, so it's perhaps as well to be on the safe side and go on quietly following small clues. I dare say you would feel more comfortable yourselves. Both Mr. Palford and Mr. Grimby, having made an appointment with Miss Alicia, arrived one afternoon at Temple Barholm to talk to her privately, thereby casting her into a state of agonized anxiety which reduced her to pallor. Our visit is merely one of inquiry, Miss Temple Barholm, Mr. Palford began. There is perhaps nothing alarming in our client's absence. In the note which he left me, he asked me to feel no anxiety, Miss Alicia said. He left you a note of explanation? I wish we had known this earlier. Mr. Palford's tone had the note of relieved exclamation. Perhaps there was an entirely simple solution of the painful difficulty. But his hope had been too sanguine. It was not a note of explanation, exactly. He went away too suddenly to have time to explain. The two men looked at each other disturbedly. He had not mentioned to you his intention of going? asked Mr. Grimby. I feel sure he did not know he was going when he said goodnight. He remained with Captain Palliser talking for some time. Miss Alicia's eyes held wavering and anxious question as she looked from one to the other. 
She wondered how much more than herself her visitors knew. He found a telegram when he went to his room. It contained most disquieting news about Mr. Strangeways. He, he had got away from the place where... Got away? Mr. Crawford was again exclamatory. Was he in some institution where he was kept under restraint? Miss Alicia was wholly unable to explain to herself why some quality in his manner filled her with sudden distress. Oh, I think not. Surely not. Surely nothing of that sort was necessary. He was very quiet always, and he was getting better every day. But it was important that he should be watched over. He was no doubt under the care of a physician in some quiet sanatorium. Some quiet sanatorium? Mr. Palford's disturbance of mind was manifest. But you did not know where? No. Indeed, Mr. Temple Barholm talked very little of Mr. Strangeways. I believe he knew that it distressed me to feel that I could be of no real assistance as, as the case was so peculiar. Each perturbed solicitor looked again with rapid question at the other. Miss Alicia saw the exchange of glances and, so to speak, broke down under the pressure of their unconcealed anxiety. The last few weeks with their suggestion of accusation, too vague to be met, had been too much for her. I am afraid. I feel sure you know something I do not, she began. I am most anxious and unhappy. I have not liked to ask questions, because that would have seemed to imply a doubt of Mr. Temple Barholm. I have even remained at home, because I did not wish to hear things I could not understand. I do not know what has been said. Pearson, in whom I have the greatest confidence, felt that Mr. Temple Barholm would prefer that I should wait until he returned. Do you think he will return? said Mr. Grimby, amazedly. Oh, the gentle creature ejaculated. Can you possibly think he will not? Why? Why? Mr. Palford had shared his partner's amazement. It was obvious that she was as ignorant as a babe of the details of Palliser's extraordinary story. In her affectionate consideration for Temple Barholm, she had actually shut herself up lest she should hear anything said against him, which she could not refute. She stood innocently obedient to his wishes, like the boy upon the burning deck, awaiting his return and his version of whatsoever he had been accused of. There was something delicately heroic in the little, slender old thing with her troubled eyes and her cap and her quivering side ringlets. You, she appealed, are his legal advisers and will be able to tell me if there is anything he would wish me to know. I could not allow myself to listen to villagers or servants, but I may ask you. We are far from knowing as much as we desire to know, Mr. Palford replied. We came here, in fact, added Grimby, to ask questions of you, Miss Temple Barholm. The fact that Miss Temple Barholm has not allowed herself to be prejudiced by village gossip, which is invariably largely unreliable, will make her an excellent witness, Mr. Palford said to his partner, with a deliberation which held suggestive significance. Each man, in fact, had suddenly realized that her ignorance would leave her absolutely unbiased in her answers to any questions they might put and that it was much better in cross-examining an emotional elderly lady that such should be the case. Witness, Miss Alicia found the word alarming. Mr. Palford's bow was apologetically palliative. A mere figure of speech, madame, 
he said. I really know so little everyone else doesn't know. Miss Alicia's protest had a touch of bewilderment in it. What could they wish to ask her? But, as we understand it, your relations with Mr. Temple Balholm were most affectionate and confidential. We were very fond of each other, she answered. 